Welcome to the circus. I'm your host, Eric. I'm Emery. And I'm Chris. And today we are going to be talking about the great political divide within America. So what's our first question, Emery? So earlier, Eric and Chris had 30 minutes to research uh, the questions. The first question was, why is America so divided? What factors played a part in allowing it to reach such extremes? Do you want to go first, Eric? I could start. Okay. All right. So I feel that although everybody does have the notion that there is a great political divide, I feel like it's not as divided as we actually believe it to be. Um, I think, you know, back in the Civil War, the 1960s Civil Rights era and all of that, um, I would say it was probably a lot more divided. I think just... A lot of the young people are getting into politics now or have only been politically conscious for you know only probably like five or six years now so our perspective is pretty narrow um, but I would definitely say that there is a divide still um, I did find research from the 2017 Pew Research Center uh, that surveyed 5,000 adults on racial discrimination immigration international diplomacy and government aid for the needy um, and they did find that divide has significantly widened uh, from the 1990s to now. Um, it actually more than doubled. I think they found that there's a 36% divide across party lines. Um, and in like the mid-90s, it was only 15%. So. In favor of those programs? Um, no, a divide between... Um, like ideologies on them. So uh, like for racial discrimination, immigration, diplomacy, government aid, between party lines, there's a 36% divide of how people feel. Oh, okay. <clears throat> and then I guess, what was the main part? So I guess, oh, so as in answering why it's so divided, um, I pretty much believe that in recent years especially, there's been a lot of negative campaigning. Um, we saw with like Hillary and Trump being like a pretty prime example of that. Um, just the amount of kind of bashing the other side instead of campaigning for your own side. Um, and I think a lot of mainstream media kind of backed that up where, you know, you saw a lot of like right wing outlets just constantly bashing left wing candidate and left wing outlets constantly bashing the right wing candidates. And I think now with that kind of media, there's been a pretty big blur between um, facts and kind of opinion and whether you're getting like actual news, you know, like, or you're just getting opinion because a lot of times there's a lot of opinion shows that are hosted on news outlets and a lot of people may confuse that. Um, and so I think that kind of definitely contributes. And I think people now are either consciously or even subconsciously tuning into media that only supports their beliefs because they want to just hear, you know, what they want to hear and they don't want to listen to the other side and they want to just listen to whatever opinion they have. And I think it's actually pretty easy to do that now with, you know, either Google or whatever media outlets, it's pretty easy to find what you want to find and not tune into the other side. I agree with like almost everything you said. Um... Do I read mine now? Yes. Okay. So, um, yeah, America is divided, but 
that's something that we've been seeing for like years at this point um daryl m west he wrote this book about the divide and argues a lot of the division is caused by um religion and culture and socioeconomic issues and things like that that date back to like the reagan era um and he did this little i couldn't read the book so i just read the video that he had um with someone interviewing him about it um but one of the biggest things I thought about the how our division is forming and getting bigger is our widespread access to internet and the social media aspect on it. Like that's something that's very new and that's um, we're treading th- these new waters and we're not, I don't think um, a lot of outlets are supporting their things by facts or anything like that so a lot of young people are getting information that's infiltrated by opinion and like you said it's super easy now to just subconsciously fall into those um readings and i think that's what a lot of yeah like you said young people on both sides are doing um and then another part that he focuses on was how the american society focuses on individualism so this is how he believes that like trump won the vote back in 2016 um he believes that like trump was won on like a populist vote because he ran with this idea for the like this working class and he says that this one fact in there which i think is pretty startling but like only 15 percent of american counties generate for 64 percent of the country's gdp so trump was able to appeal to those people at the time when he was running and um exploit that idea uh, using like other tactics such as immigration which was a huge platform that he ran on as a way to separate those americans from um the more who i would consider more liberal americans or um, immigrants and then that was a way of dividing the country in in and of itself but i also agree on your point that we aren't as divided as we have been in the past i also found something from the um Pew research study but this was in they did this in 2020 but the quote that I kept it said overall it's not clear that Americans are further apart from each other than we've been in the past or that we even are more ideologically or effectively divided that is exhibiting hostility to those of the other party than citizens of other democracies so in that way we're really not different from a lot of countries but What's unique about this moment, and particularly acute in America, is that these divisions have collapsed into a singular singular access where we find no like common cause or collective national identity. Um, and again, that was from the Pew Research Center. So, I think a lot of the divide, so like what factors have played a role in like this growing divide. I don't think it's one thing, and I think it's a lot. And something I just wrote down where. Like our educational difference in America, economic status, religion, culture, um, and then I think the workings of American society has just kind of created this like us versus them type of mentality. Okay, you want to move on to the second I question? Emory? All right. Aren't we supposed to? We should chat. Okay. Or Emery should jump in. Do we? Did we put a timer on? No. We've been going for about nine minutes. Oh, okay. Well, does Emery want to jump in? I feel like we should talk about it and not just talk separately. Well, I almost agree. This question isn't like a polarizing one, the first one. I don't know any of these actually, yeah. 
I don't think any of them are either, but I just want to also have Emery jump in. Well, I didn't really want to have the first debate be on something like super controversial, which is why we're doing the Great Divide, because it's a fact that it exists. It's not something that we can just debate like climate change or like if we need gun reform. Uh, but essentially... Climate change is also undebatable. No, people debate it. People don't debate that there's a divide. Or it's a whole lot less common for people to debate that there is a divide. Um, but, yeah, I, I did a little bit of research, too. I also came across the 2020 Q research thing. Um, but what I saw when I was reading that was that Democrats basically... The three major issues that have led to polarization are two that I just said, climate change, gun reform, and then the third would be protecting the environment. And like I'd say that kind of goes hand in hand hand with climate change. But we've just gradually been getting more and more polarized because rather than focus on uh, like political issues, once uh, politicians get elected, they'll just focus on getting re-elected. They won't care about actually passing any of the shit that they talked about or like doing anything to help. They'll just focus on uh, maintaining their image or at the very least like staying out of the fucking news in a bad sense. I agree with that. Eric, what do you think? On what you just said? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I kind of, once we get to one of the later questions, I kind of do touch on what you said a little bit about politicians. Um, But I'd say, yeah, obviously there's bigger issues that are more polarizing than others. Um, But... I don't know if it's necessarily the issues that are so polarizing. I guess kind of going with the politician line, um, I feel like it's more the political parties that are polarized, I think, than the general population. Um, Mm -hmm. I'd say there's probably, on either end of the spectrum, left and right, there's definitely been a lot of people that have gone further left, a lot of people that have gone a lot further right. Um, But I think there's also been a lot more people that have gone towards the middle i would say the biggest group of americans is probably pretty moderate or you know it goes some ways on one issue and some ways on the other um i'd say a big struggle comes from not being able to align with either political party in its entirety i think people are pretty frustrated at more of the political parties i think people that i know that are more republican like moderate republican i think they feel so disinvalued by the you know the main left party like the the democrats in congress and i think it goes the same on the other side that you know moderate like uh democrats that i know feel so just misrepresented and just put off by republicans in government you know because their values are so disaligned that i think that's where a lot of the frustration comes from and people kind of you know, generalize those, like, I would say, like, 
mainstream politicians with the rest of the population where I don't think that's where a lot of the population is at. If that makes sense. Do you also, yeah. Do you also think the media plays like a huge role in the representation of, um, I guess the parties? I mean, yeah, I think in the same regard, like, you know, you have like right, right wing medias that portray, you know, left-wing politicians as, you know, crazy or, you know, like their ideas are, you know, absurd. And the same happens on the other side where left-wing media is going to portray right-wing politicians as, you know, absurd and their ideas are crazy. And I think people that are tuning into those medias, they, like I said, they feel just so disaligned with what the, the media is telling them and what the, they're hearing from the politicians and usually short clips given by the media that, even though the mass population is probably pretty centered, I would say that they just feel threatened by those politicians. And people are almost forced to vote, you know, just barely across their line, where I know a lot of people in this past election, you know, they didn't like either candidate, but people felt they had to obviously vote one or the other, because most people don't want to not vote, but they felt misrepresented by both candidates because of how polarize the parties are even though i feel like the general population isn't that way yeah i would agree i started learning more about like the voting to the party line this election and realizing that um the democratic candidate joe biden was really selected just because that the part that meant the party could keep its hold in the political field but with other candidates they probably didn't stand a great chance in terms of voting which i think is really disheartening to voting just to know that i'm the person i may or may not be voting for is solely just to keep like power to one side or the other and it's not um in favor of the american people i guess there are also a lot of people voted against a politician instead of for a politician I think that happened a lot. A lot of people were like, you know, I'm going to vote Biden just to keep Trump out of office. Or a lot of people voted Trump just to keep Biden out of office. So I feel like once we've gotten to a spot where we're voting against a politician, we're betting on a politician to lose instead of somebody we want to win. It's obviously an issue. I agree with that. I also agree that these past two elections haven't dealt the best hands in candidates. Um, from my point of view um, but I also think our voting system needs to be restructured in order to help better combat that restructured how? like I wrote for the last um, question about I'm pro like plurality voting and I guess how you were saying earlier about you know, the party is bashing other sides. I think a, a bigger range of platforms so that people can better align themselves to the party in which they see, because right now we have like a black or white answer. And of course you don't have to vote. And there, of course there are, there are other parties, but only to receive like the greatest attention <coughs> possible. So you basically are doing a black or white answer. Um, but I think plurality just puts- Are you saying plurality meaning like a like a population vote. Like, like a, 
like you have four candidates and when you go to vote you list in order of which candidate you'd want first to fourth to win so that you're voting technically for every candidate but um each level somebody would get knocked out so level one um you'd tally up the votes and then the person with the least votes would get knocked out and then all of those people that had voted for that person for their first choice you'd go to their second choice and just disperse those votes and you'd keep doing that until you have um but don't you you don't think that would like say in this past election you had you know obviously joe biden donald trump and you had i don't know two two third party candidates do you think that you wouldn't have ended up in a race where it was Joe Biden versus Donald Trump in the end, in that last round? Well, I don't think this is something that could happen just like overnight because there's so many parties that don't have attention or I don't have a ton of knowledge about any other party, but you know, the Republican party and the Democratic party. So I'm just saying it as it could be a solution to um, a better way to vote. It's possible, yeah. Um, Yeah, but should we go to the next question? Sure. All right. The next question was uh, just second. What can the Great Divide lead to? Like, what are positive and negative side effects of it? Should I go first this time? Sure. Mine's pretty short, and I also did, didn't run out of time, so this is the one I didn't do research on. Um. So I said that one of the only positive effects that I could argue about this division that we're experiencing is the amount of change it's brought. I think um, not only change, but attention to policy, attention to our culture, our society, and things like that, and how we respond to these crises, how we respond to, I don't know how the plural of crisis. Crises. Crises. Um, crises? That doesn't sound correct, but but how we respond to crises. Um, the ne- the negativity we're se- we're experiencing seems greater, seems like a greater danger to society, because I just think about if this divide has started since like the Reagan administration or whenever you argue it started, um, like what will it look like in fifteen years? You know, if we're already like tearing down cities. Mm-hmm. And that's my that's my take on that. <laughs> I um, I'm sure there are more positive and negative effects, but that's mine. Okay, I agreed with kind of what you said on the pros. Um, I kind of just jotted some notes, um, and one of the pros I put realization. Um, so I put kind of you know obviously the fact that there is a divide has brought attention to there being a divide, um, which obviously is first step in finding a solution you have to obviously realize there is a problem um i also put greater strides being made um which is kind of like what you were saying is um you know the progress that's being made the only thing is i feel like when you listen as a pro it's really only a pro to one side i think when trump was in office there are republicans or a lot of people that you know are maybe even just over the line moderate republican um felt that a lot of progress was being made for them and I think the other side felt that no progress or even backtracking was being done for them and I think now that Biden's in office and you know has obviously made his executive orders and reversed some of Donald Trump's that now a lot of Republicans are feeling that 
they are losing out and that all the progress that was made was just backtracked and obviously now Democrats feel that they're getting lots of progress on because they have, you know, obviously Congress and the presidency. Um, so I feel like only when you say progress can be made, I think it's really, as of right now with the divide, I guess it's kind of just one-sided, um, which isn't necessarily 100% a bad thing because obviously one side has to be at least somewhat right. Um, but I think half the population kind of feels like they're being left out on the progress or even robbed of the progress they felt was being made. Um, and then I also put, um, for some cons, I felt like a lot of people now have a disdain for people of the opposite political party. Um, I think people are really quick to judge, um, other people based off just political parties. Um, I think that occurs on both sides. And I think that really relates to again the the media and kind of the way that people are portrayed um even if somebody isn't you know like crazy far left or crazy far right um i think people just generalize that if you say you're republican or democrat that you have to be one of those two you have to be on the complete end of the spectrum um i also put you know there's a lot of social pressure that comes with that um i feel like a lot of people are pressured into feeling they need to believe one way or another um, to avoid, you know, wherever they live. I feel like, you know, if you're in a more liberal state, then you're going to feel a lot of pressure and you're not going to want to come out as your true Republican self or you're going to want to maybe try and change how you believe. And the same goes, you know, if you live in a more like Republican state or Republican area, you're going to want to do the same. You're going to want to kind of suppress your views, which I feel like isn't really a great thing. I think people should express what they believe. Um, and then obviously going on what you said about like like the strong disagreements and everything, I think there's been a lot of violence that we've seen lately that has directly resulted in politics uh, or from politics, um, especially you now with like the riots on both sides. You know, you had the Capitol riot, you've had the Black Lives Matter protests, and I feel like there's been a lot of violence and just obviously major political issues um, that have stemmed from the divide. Yeah, that was a great answer. No, see, I agree to a certain extent with both of you, but um, I feel like there are not necessarily black and white, only positive and negatives. Like, for example, one positive is also a negative. So you said um, there's people winning and yes. one side is obviously going to feel more that than the other yes. because it's always going to be like one of two parties in the White House mm -hmm. and I feel like it doesn't matter so much as what party is in the White House um, but if you were to let's say have a Republican Congress and a Democratic White House, then it would essentially be at a standstill because the president wouldn't sign anything that his party wouldn't agree with and Congress wouldn't sign anything that the, they didn't agree with. Yes and no. I mean, last, when Trump was in office, there was a Democrat Congress and there was a Republican president. 
and he still managed to pass many laws. I mean, a lot were by executive order, but he still managed to enact a lot of things, um, or you know, kind of hold things over Congress's head to make them do certain things. And I feel like you know, Congress does the same, or did do the same. Uh, obviously, you know, it's not as easy, but especially now, I mean, that's not even the case. It's all one party, pretty much, except for the Supreme Court. Yeah. So you're saying that Trump was able to pass a bunch of executive orders and completely circumvent Congress, which yes. is basically the same thing that Biden's doing. Well, no, he doesn't have to. He doesn't have to circumvent Congress for the most part because he has Congress. Yeah, but he's still passing executive orders rather yeah. than going through Congress. To well, it's, get yeah, shit passed. it's a lot easier to just sign it. I mean, all the executive orders he did were pretty much in his first days in office because it only takes days to enact those. So anything he wants to do immediately, yeah, he did, but he does by executive order. Um, but yeah. And you also said uh, Trump was holding shit over Congress, so essentially he was saying, I won't do anything for you guys if you don't do exactly what I want, right? Yes. And I feel like... Which is not conducive to any, like, type of compromise. Yeah, that's a very bad way to be, like, politically. So I feel like our country needs to be, like, somewhat more united against common issues so it doesn't matter if they're the big ticket issues like gun reform or fucking climate change but if we can find common ground on like little things for both parties like that'll eventually just snowball into bigger and better things well that's why again like i think it circles back to I would say probably most Americans can find common ground, especially like understanding the smaller issues. Like that's, I would say something that's very doable. But I think a, an issue is that the politicians can't or won't, because like you said, it affects their re-election. You know, they feel like if they, if they budge, then they're gonna be, you know, they could lose points in their election because of that. And I think, yes, like obviously um, when a president like tries to manipulate Congress to get his way. I think Congress, in the same time, also manipulated a lot of their tools at Trump's expense and kind of blocked him from getting a lot of his agenda done just to block him from getting his agenda done. I think that's been an issue for probably a while now, especially um, that there's just kind of a need to, or a felt need to, instead of passing things to stop the other party from passing things. It's more of just, like I said, it's kind of like a negative. Instead of promoting your own campaign, you're just trying to hurt the other. Which is what's been happening for... Quite a while. Decades now. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Which is why I think... I also, like... I don't know if this is, like, an unpopular opinion, but I feel like the idea of political office is so glamorized and um it shouldn't be like these are people that are supposed to be working and serving for us and instead it's become this show about you know re-election and who's in and who's out and i'm i mean like look at the media attention right now of like liz cheney and being like kicked out of her own party i just think like that 
understanding of politics is what is also not only is it a negative side to this division but it's it's fueling it yeah i mean i agree i don't know if it's so much glamorized now i think maybe you know back at what used to be glamorized for a very long time um i think the divide has caused a lot of disdain for politicians i think you know back when like i think of like you know kennedy or reagan or you know like presidents like that i think like you know they were almost like celebrities you know everybody went out to see them even on both sides you know whether it was democrat republican everybody you know went out they were like like celebrities but now i think there's just so much hatred for politicians um you know, some of it's just because they're the opposite party, or I feel like a lot of people feel like, like you said, like, you know, they're supposed to be working for the people. And I think, you know, like Emery said, they're working to reelect themselves. They're not working for the people yeah. anymore. I think that's a huge, huge issue. I mean, you see, like, there are politicians, um, I think it's Nancy Pelosi that was taking a private jet from California to DC on a daily basis, which is just to, because she could, you know, and which cost hundreds of thousands of dollars every time she did it. Um, so I think it's kind of, I don't feel it's as glamorized now. I think it's just that they don't care if it is or not anymore. Mm -hmm. See, I feel like, well. uh, what were we going to say? Um, Yeah, no, I forgot. Fuck. That's alright. Stop. Eric, can you, like, put your phone so I can see your face? No, because there's no way to I want to look like I'm talking to you. There we go. It's so weird looking at you from two different angles. Just an FYI for anyone listening, we're zooming from like 300 miles apart. Nice. Shall we move to the next question? Yes. Um, the final question and probably the most important is how do we go about reuniting the extreme left and right and what can be done to prevent such extremes from occurring again? Alright, um, well I put for kind of my first point, I think dialogue is really important. Um, I was reading an article um, kind of all about dialogue for the point of political remedy. Um, and I read a fact here, it was talking about surveys um, of 1,800 participants um, done by a dialogue organization called Braver Angels. Found that 79% of the participants felt they better understood the experiences, feelings, and beliefs of those on the other side um, after dialogue um, kind of rooms. They basically brought people into an environment where they could safely talk and they were kind of mediated um, and everything was kept very respectful. Um, and after that, like I said, they felt they better understood the other side. Um, and in turn, that helped them feel that they were better understood because if they were understanding the other side, they believed that the other side must have been understanding them as well. 
um, and 75% of the participants felt less angry or even estranged um, towards those on the other side following the workshops, the dialogue workshops that were done. Um, and 80% felt that they were more able to start constructive conversations with people that were done on the other side. Um, and I think those are really high numbers, you know, 79, 75, and 80%. Um, those are all pretty positive results that were done with these kind of dialogue workshops. Um, I also think it's really important that we don't try and change people's minds. I think a lot of time that's what we just kind of subconsciously do, that we want to bring people onto our side. Um, but I think that it's something that's very difficult to do and isn't going to just happen in a single conversation, which is usually how political discussions go. It's usually just kind of a single conversation between people. Um, and I think, you know, if we could kind of tr stop trying to change people's mind and, you know, just either listen or if you don't feel that you can listen, you know, just kind of walk away. Like, spare yourself the argument, the anger, you know, just agree to disagree, I think that would go a long way in a lot of interactions that people have um, with political disputes. Um, and I think it's also really important that we just recognize that we have greater goals that need to be met. Um, you know, everything isn't, you know, obviously there's some issues that affect us in our daily lives and those are going to have to be worked on and compromised longer, but on like some smaller issues, I think, you know, we just got to kind of realize that we need to cooperate together if we're going to, as a whole, achieve success because in the end of the day, we're all living in the same country, you know, if half of us can't succeed, it's not going to work that way. I don't think our country is built that way to where, you know, only half the country is going to be able to succeed and the other half will just, you know, kind of disappear over time. I think if half fails, the other half is going to fail and I think we need to realize that and kind of just work together to achieve a greater good. That was awesome. I agree with a lot of what you said. Um, I, to, honestly, it's like the same. I'm kind of like regurgitating what you said, but I think um, with not only like this podcast and the film that I'm writing, like I've, in the summer I had with my family being very politically different from them. I think it's really about how we speak to each other and how we choose to continue having like difficult conversations. Um, one thing I realized like halfway through this past year was that having like conversations over texting with my friends was not really conducive to having harder political conversations. I think there's a time and place for it. And like you said, if you feel as though you're not in a place to be challenged so much, like walking away is probably going to be your best <coughs> option. And then coming back to it when you feel like you have a better understanding of um, compromise would be a great thing. Um, I'm looking at a list. This is from Politico, but it just shows like different ways to reduce partisanship. And just to name a couple, Mitt Romney was the first one. Bring back weekly bipartisan Senate meetings. There's um, Larry Hogan said to redistrict reform. Um, I'm going to not pronounce his name right, but Zenat Rahman said to have religious literacy education. Um, <clears throat> more social media regulation is a big one. Shift your power back to, to the local level is huge, and I don't think people understand how big 
um, like local power or state power has an effect on like where you live and how your state operates. Um, ranked choice voting, which I talked about earlier, so the plurality vote rather than having this like this or that mindset, um, I think could help people kind of really align themselves to a party in which they believe like wholeheartedly. Um, rethinking social media so it doesn't encourage conflict. That's a huge one. Like I said earlier, we are in a time where social media is so new and like the internet is still so new. Um, and I don't think a lot of places are navigating it properly and in a way that's healthy to, um, political knowledge or anything like that. So, um, that's a big one. Another one that I think is super important is education in civic literacy and, um, news literacy. So this is a quote from a political article in favor of restructuring civic education. Um, let me get her name. Okay. Well, maybe I'm not going to find her name. Um, okay. So this author of this article said, we need to reinvent civic education for the digital age, instilling in rising generations of Americans an appreciation of the core tenets of American democracy, including the Constitution, separations of power, and rule of law. This should be done through a combination of federally developed curricular materials that serve as resources for states and school systems to draw on state mandates and decentralized initiatives by educators to experiment with how to best convey these concepts convincingly to today's students. Um, I think that's now more important than ever. And... um, could honestly be like one way to just raise this new generation into more um at raise this generation to be better consumers of news and information so yeah Emery. well i feel like uh, it's going to take a whole lot to actually reconnect the left and the right but if we gradually work on it and we have like open debates and everything that are like not just people shouting over each other like I don't care where you stand politically but like if you remember the debates that Trump was in every time Biden was trying to talk he would constantly interrupt like that just can't happen and then every time the fucking Hillary was trying to talk, uh, Bernie and Biden and everyone else would interrupt. It doesn't matter the political affiliation. If you're just trying to get your point heard rather than let everyone openly talk, it's not going to change. It's just going to get worse. So we need to, like, not necessarily punish the politicians for doing the dumb shit that they've been doing but we essentially need to tell them that like this isn't working we need to fix it and that if they won't listen still then we can probably figure out how to get them out and people who are willing to listen in we don't have to figure out how to get them out we just don't re-elect them that's literally 
There's already a system in place for that. It's a lot easier to say it than it is to do it, because you have to convince a populace to vote them out, essentially, rather than just like, oh, yeah, I know I don't like you. So there's... Well, I think a big, big issue that's not really about... Well, it kind of ties into a divide, I think, is just people are uninformed, I think. If Mm -hmm. people, you know, were just informed, you know, it would you'd say a big change, I think. People just kind of take the talking points that they're hearing on opinion-based shows on, like, you know, whether it's on the left side or the right side, which are usually pretty biased points, um, and they just run with those, and they don't even know what they're talking about when they spew out information. Um, And I think if people just really understood what politicians stood for and what politicians were doing their jobs good and what politicians weren't, people could actually vote well and it would actually really I think have a great impact so I think maybe along with the dialogue I think that if people if we just set up better ways to inform the voter base that we could see big change as well yeah I agree with that I think education is going to be very key in the future of politics yeah and how it shapes America's future. Well, I also think this was a good topic for the first uh, podcast because I think what we're kind of trying to do in the podcast is, you know, have a dialogue and try to, you know, work on the issues and get to the bottom of them and figure out, you know, what's wrong and what can we do to fix it. Yeah, this is. I agree. This was a great first episode. We might get heated in later episodes, but we'll see. We'll try to keep it. We don't have a sidewalk episode. (laughs) I wish we did. I know. We'll do a special sidewalk episode. Alrighty then.